This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along for the ride here. James Dooley is uh, in the control uh, seat. And, uh, got <laughs> I like enough... the way you say that kind of hesitantly. Yeah, well, yes, because <laughs> he's got a live seat. mic, see? Yes, so yes I do. He, yes. he can fight back now. <laughs> Be gentle. Gee whiz. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome along to the garden show with a uh, person to my left. Uh, just so you get a mental picture of what's happening here, Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Charlie. You look spectacular this morning. Thank you very much. I wish I could hear better. I'm only I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a bit underwater with these headphones. I may have to swap them out. For oh, well, we can do that. Pair. Yeah, James is running right now as we speak to get you a new set of headphones. So, how was your drive in here? Did you? See well, some... no, I I oh. only uh, I only have 2.9 kilometers to oh, go from, so, yeah, from my you place. Don't even wake up in downtown to do it, Toronto. Probably. Well, yeah, I, but I was worried about uh, the lakeshore. I have mm-hmm. to, I have to use the lakeshore for a little bit, but with the the big uh, parade coming up today, I thought I'll avoid that, and I just came on to King Street, uh, right up Bathurst to King, and uh, over to the station here. So, no okay, problem. So I, on the other hand, did the lakeshore because did I you? Did yes. far more than two kilometers, uh, and it's great. There's a lot of action. We're referring well, to, we're in Liberty Village, so yeah. we're very close to the. Uh, exhibition grounds yeah. and Scotiabank's uh, Caribbean, Caribbean Carnival. Carnival exactly. Used to be called Carabana. I know. Yeah. But it's the Caribbean Carnival. But there's a lot of spangles and bangles out oh, there. Oh, yeah, and yeah. The, it was cute on the radio. One of the stations I was listening to on the way here said the parade is supposed to start at 9, but it is a Caribbean event. <laughs> so <laughs> remember that so could be an hour or yeah. more not at 9. But bottom line, yeah. it's a big event. And they're expecting up to a million people. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, we might want to just stay here. I feel here. sorry for people who live, say, in the Niagara area or anybody visiting oh, Toronto man. coming from that area, you know, New York State, and that bridge is closed now, right. the Skyway, because of that idiot in the... Wacko. Oh, man, dump truck with the, with the box up, and bang, it's yeah. the top of the bridge. Anyway. Well, it's a good thing you are not on that bridge every day like oh, you were. Oh, gee, when I lived in St. This would have been terrible for me. Yeah. We'd be doing this over the phone. <laughs> yes, that, that's right. <laughs> <clears throat> or, as I suggested, you might have come and just put a tent up here yeah, in the parking lot. That's right, yeah. Well, now, let me get the phone numbers uh, to oh, the folks, idea. okay? Yeah. So if you live in the Toronto area, here is the number to call, 416 360 Zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Keep in mind our little mantra: okay, call early, call often. One question per call, but you can call back again. You know, yes, as yeah. some callers have done. Yes, yeah, they're getting on to me. Yeah, and, and if you're a first time caller, oh, make sure mention you tell that, James. and we'll have the uh, chimes ready to welcome you to the show. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, what do you got? You got a whole page of notes there. Yeah, no, there's. It's summer. There's not yeah. that many okay. garden events going on because, as you know, all the Hort societies go on hiatus for the summer. 
But if you are in the Burlington area mm-hmm. and you're on this side of the bridge, uh, well, actually, it's pretty close to the bridge. The Royal Botanical Gardens is hosting the Enchanted Garden Weekend this Ooh. weekend. So it starts today right through until Monday from 11 till 4. It's in Hendry Park. It's a touch of magic awaiting you and your little gnomes, your fairies, your pixies, and your sprites. Well, wow. So, you know, get them out of bed and get on down there. It's a lot of fun. There's mystical creatures to meet. That you can participate in magical activities and learn the secrets of the fairies. So it's that connecting creativity and imagination mm-hmm. and the garden. So it's being outside and having some fun. Remember, Royal Botanical Gardens is located at 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Um, I... Just a reminder, the terrific Thursdays at Toronto Botanical Gardens. So, of course, Toronto Botanical Gardens is Leslie and Lawrence here in Toronto. Um, the, there's, a mu- there's music on Thursday nights, live music in the, right in the gardens. Uh, there's free, that, which is all free, of course. There's, um, what else? Organic Farmer's Market, free guided tours of the gardens. Of course, the garden shop and the garden cafe are all open during the, the mm-hmm. concert events. So Thursday nights are quite a fun place to be. So weather permitting and you want to get out again, get some fresh air, think about the vitamin D, uh, get outside. <laughs> Even if you're not working outside, yeah. you can be sitting outside and enjoying music and birds. And a little hammock out there. You know, well, that's, that sounds it's not a bad me. idea, actually. If yeah. you do come to the terrific Thursdays, think about bringing a, a folding lawn chair or something. Oh, yeah. Because sure. you can rent a chair from them or you can stand. So it's best to bring a chair. Uh, also, just to put on your calendars, I need to get more information. I've talked about trial gardens in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? A trial garden is an actual official garden, typically run by a university academic. Okay. Uh, and it's where plants are trialed or tested for next year. And it's the breeders and it's the suppliers of the seeds, et cetera, that give the plants to the trial garden uh, person who's running it. They And these trial gardens are all over mm. North America. So everybody trials the exact same plants and tracks everything. And then all that information comes together in one central location and every, it's all collated so that certain plants win an award or are basically recommended to, yeah. gl- to grow next year because they've done well in all different kinds of climates. It's, it's vegetables, it's flowers like annuals, it can be roses, uh, and it can be perennials that are part of the trial gardens. And here in southern Ontario, we have two trial gardens, one at the University of Guelph and one at the Landscape Ontario office, which is in Milton. Right on, You can see it right on the south, sorry, north side of the 401 between Trafalgar Road mm-hmm. and James Snow Parkway. So bottom line, they have a public open house once a year. August 16th, Saturday, August 16th in Milton, and Tuesday, August 19th in Guelph. And like I said, I'll give you more information once I can find it. They're not very good at updating this stuff. And uh, recommend that you go there. It's a wonderful place to see and smell and touch new plants. Excellent. All right. Uh, Charlie Dobbin, ready to accept your questions. As a matter of fact, we're going to take a little drive up to Barry in uh, just a moment after we uh, check a few words from our very special sponsors. Here we go, AM 740, The Garden Show, ready to roll. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And isn't it nice that I'm here too? Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying, well, to a first-time caller, (laughs) Gary from Barrie. Hey, Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. 
I have a half of one half acre of aggressive poison ivy. Uh, Roundup doesn't appear to work, and I've covered it up uh, in the last two years with blankets and newspaper and so on, but it just continues to grow. Uh, any hardcore stuff that I could be using? <laughs> I love that. Half acre is a lot. Wow. All right, so Roundup should work, but will only work early in the season when the poison ivy is very young and small. However, by this time of year, you're right, Roundup's not going to make a dent into uh, poison ivy. Now, the covering up idea is very good, but blankets and newspapers are not sufficient. You need to actually suffocate the, uh, the poison ivy, and the only way to truly suffocate it is with plastic, and that's a sealed plastic. Those are tarps over top of the poison. Basically, what you would do, I was going to say you run it over with your lawnmower, but maybe you wouldn't. Well, you see, you need to lower the poison ivy as low as you can, but you don't want to go in there with a whippersnipper or something like that because you're going to blow poison ivy everywhere and regret that. Um, So early in the season would be the easiest time to do it. You could do it now. Of course, you put on a full hazmat suit to do this, and then you've got tarps, plastic tarps, preferably dark colored. Lay them down on top of the poison ivy. Seal the seams with soil, rocks, timber, Whatever you want to do, but make sure all the seams on those uh, or edges of the tarps are right down tight to the ground and then leave them there for a full year. Wonderful. That'll, I'll, that'll work. Shorten, I'll shorten the little rascals up and I'll smother them. Okay, great. That's Thank you. <laughs> Good that's luck great. with that. And thanks for calling, Gary. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. Uh, that's a know, nice thing to call poison ivy, little rascals. Most little people would, ra- would say something much meaner. Yeah. Well, I was going to suggest that he has some folks he doesn't care for very much. Invite, invite them, them out over. to go camping in that particular <laughs> area, you know? Yeah. Frank, what a, Frank, what a nice Frank. Guy, huh? What side of the yeah. bed did you get up yeah. on? Oh, this there morning? you are. <laughs> well, uh, the next caller coming in from uh, my wife's birthplace, uh, Waterloo, Ontario. Yes. Eleanor, welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Uh, Charlie, we purchased a new honeysuckle vine this year planted it and it's grown beautiful it's healthy it's got lots of good strong shoots and it's climbing the fence doing a wonderful job but Excellent. we've had absolutely no bloom do they not bloom mm-hmm. the first year uh okay when when you first plant a plant that's uh, a long-term perennial plant like this honeysuckle mm-hmm. if you don't get blooms the first year do not be concerned okay. what you want to see in a newly planted plant other than an annual, so if with any perennial plant, what you want to see is not a lot going on above ground because that means there's lots going on below ground. You want the plant to get established. You want roots to grow. You want it to get really firm and happy in its new location. So no fertilizer, nothing like that. Just let it be. Uh, if it's really growing like stink and, and it's, you know, grown five or six feet this year, then next spring you may want to consider doing some cutting back on it, just a little bit Cut of shaping. Cut spring, do you? Yeah, and then that way you will uh, encourage some branching and some more, you know, dense uh, growth, and you're, you know, I would say 99.9% likely to get flowers next year, if not now, 100. what do you do for the winter? You just, just leave it, it and be. then cut it in the spring? That's right. Okay. Just a comment I'd like to make. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, we planted a clematis, and I called you, mm-hmm. and you advised us what to do mm-hmm. and to put eggshells around the roots. We have the most gorgeous clematis on our back fence that you've ever laid eyes on. Excellent. Wow. Good to hear. So <laughs> I just wanted to thank you very much, and I hope I get the same luck with the honeysuckle. <laughs> oh, you will. You will. Thanks for calling. Have a nice weekend. Thank Thanks. you very much, Eleanor. Bye. Bye-bye to all our friends in Waterloo. A fond welcome to the 
show. And, uh, gee, we're going to jump on uh, King Street here in Waterloo and then just drive south a little bit. Hey, we're in Kitchener. Hello to Marie. <laughs> Good Hi. morning, Marie. Hi, Marie. Good morning. I am a Kitchener, right, for sure. Um, I just wanted to ask about our, the tree we have on our boulevard that the city planted back in 1998. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got over some eye surgery, so I sent my husband out to ask the planter, what kind of tree is it? And it's a service berry, and we love it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful in the spring with the blossoms, and then it turns a dark red color in the fall. It's a great plant in uh, many seasons, yeah. Right, right. It, it's beautiful. But it's had a blight. Uh, the city hasn't done anything about it or sprayed it or anything like that, so mm-hmm. I just wonder if I can do it. It's on the trunk. It's had some kind of a blight on it for the last couple of years. What does it look like? Um, it's lighter than the bark, and it's a bit... Um, they they could be as big as uh, oh um, they could be as big as silver dollars or a little bit bigger. Is um, it kind of like a almost like a crusty? Uh, it is, and it's a, it's a light gray color. Right. You know what I think it is. But do you think that the um, does the tree look unhappy or sparse or the leaves are small or anything like that going on? Well, the leaves are small. In fact, it's starting to turn, but I don't think it's turning. Because it's fall, mm-hmm. not with somebody thinks it is, um, <laughs> but I think it's because there's something else going on with it. Okay, if uh, do you have access to a computer? No, but no. my daughter would do that okay. for me. Because <clears throat> it's very natural and normal for something called lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N, oh, yeah. to right. grow on the bark of trees. Okay. Okay, so lichen is one of the is an interesting animal, if you will. It's an algae, but it's also a, um, it's a plant. It, it grows on the outside. It does not suck anything out of the plants. There's a symbiotic relationship that goes on actually between the trees that lichen grows on and the lichen. They kind of look after each other. Oh, okay. And so it can look funny. You'll get yellow lichen, you'll get gray, you'll get sort of green, bright green sometimes. It does not hurt the trees at all, oh. and so it's never something to worry about. Okay. So I wouldn't worry about any of if, if that's what's growing on the bark. Right. However, if the tree does look like it's suffering a bit, and you say it is looking a little bit red right now, which means right. it is under stress. Yes, it's a little bit orangey. It hasn't gone to red, but I wouldn't think it's going to be turning this soon. No. So it I think it's under turning. stress. And, and, you know, if you notice it, it's defoliating a bit early, or the leaves, like I said, are undersized, or mm-hmm. it's a little sparse in terms of the amount of mm-hmm. foliage. Keep in mind that the winter we had was a devastating winter for a lot of plants, and many plants looked good in the spring. They popped out all kinds of leaves, and then they proceeded to deteriorate because of damage that had happened during the winter that we were not able to control. So the service berry may be having a little bit of suffering for that reason. It's certainly not suffering for lack of water. It could be, remember, like again, going back to the winter, the piles of snow, how high they were, and the amount of salt everybody was using on the roads. Right. That was piled around the base of that service berry, and that may have be affecting the actual nutrient at the base of the plant. Okay. It's a bit late this year to consider any fertilizer, but you may want to think about in late September putting down either deep root feeding the plant, you know, with one of those yes. Ross root feeders, or fertilizing at the base of the plant with the intention that the fertilizer is going to be there next spring so the plant can access it or 
fertilize next spring. But just, I would do a little TLC for the service berry, just as a tree. I wouldn't worry about anything else going on there. And honestly, it probably is something as crazy as salt buildup uh, and the snow load, which affected uh, gas exchange. The roots were just under snow and and frost for so long. Many plants really suffered. Yes, the snow, our our boulevard had snow as high as the first branch. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and for months, really. Mm-hmm. Yes. It wasn't just a few days or a few no, weeks. No, no, no. And true. that was very hard on a lot of the trees. So we are seeing some suffering okay. in the in the health of the trees. But I would service berry is a nice, tough tree. It's a native tree. It's one that's very likely to survive the crazy new weather that we're having these days. It's the new normal now. Yeah, the yeah. new normal. So don't worry, don't worry about it. But uh, do oh, think okay. about giving some fertilizer, even though it's not your tree. It's a right. city tree. Right. Uh, make sure there's no dead wood on it next spring. Right. Make sure there's no uh, crossing branches, that sort of thing, oh. where there's damage going on that way. So just a little bit of m- making sure it's it's under, it's in good TLC. care. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for the call, Marie. Thanks, Thank you. Radio, and you are listening to The Garden Show here from AM 740, broadcasting live and direct <laughs> from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And uh, we have to take a little bit of a break now, but gosh, we have first-time callers oh lined up. We'll be uh, taking a little trip to Hamilton. Mm. Uh, Charlie, and, and get those wind chimes ready, James, because we'll need them for berry. <laughs> well, you, you've got the hot air to blow them. So well, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Zappo. Got me. Skewered. Well, Yikes. It's, it's, when I Ow. start talking gardening, yeah. oh. Frank just kind of looks out the window and he's going like, whatever. <laughs> when can we talk about me again? <laughs> we'll come back to me. Oh, yeah, and Charlie, too, in just a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frankie Proctor saying good morning. And uh, I'm in the studio with, some say, good old Charlie and good old James. But others tell the truth. Uh, Barry from Hamilton is with us. A first time caller. Hi, Barry. Hi there. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Charlie. I have 10 uh, elms growing in my backyard. They're about 8 years old. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can help them out with so they don't get the Dutch elm disease? What kind of elms are they, do you know? The ones that get the Dutch elm disease. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but wait, so who, you planted them? I planted them. Where did you get them from? I got them off a nursery. Now, apparently the seeds come from a very old tree, and they thought might be... uh, Alert, uh, might uh, be resistant to the disease, but right. I just wanted to see if there's anything I can do to help them out. Not that I know of. There's a lot of work being done with elms that have withstood or avoided getting Dutch elm disease, cloning some of those trees, because, of course, some of the, the elms did survive, So the, and seeds collecting and growing. So you're actually, you've got your own little lab there with those trees. Yeah. Uh, the main thing I would suggest at this point is the TLC that, that Frank and I were referring to with the last caller, the idea of make sure that these elms are as happy as possible. Make sure that there's no grass growing right up to the, the trunks? No, I keep them sprayed around them. Okay, because you do not want to be whippersnippering and breaking the bark. No. Make sure that uh, there, there's no dead wood on them that can't that could be removed and hasn't been removed. Make sure there's no crisscrossing branches uh, where they're rubbing and causing damage. Mm-hmm. Um, fertilize in the spring <clears throat> with an all-purpose fertilizer. That could be of a granular form. It could be a, a deep root fertilizing. But main thing is, uh, and of course, if we do get 
get into drought, which we haven't this year, but if we get into those periods where it doesn't rain for weeks and weeks, make sure you are deep uh, watering, very slow watering and deep watering with our trees. Okay. And it's just to help them withstand any of the, the extremes of the kind of weather we can have, whether it's extreme Is it advisable heat. to prune around the bottoms of them at all or no? Well, have you got a lot of branching right at the base? Yes. I would be inclined. Well, how tall are they right now? Beg your pardon? How tall are the trees? Uh, oh, 15 feet at best. Okay. Um, I would start, yes. <clears throat> you want to remove some of the lower branches. <coughs> it me. makes it easier cutting <clears throat> with the lawnmower, that's all. Well, that's right. And also, because you're going to end up removing those branches eventually, we remove those branches sooner than later to minimize the size of the wound. Okay. Right? So when you're going to remove those branches, look for what's called the branch collar, and that's a spot where the the branch and the stem come together, and there's a little bit of a thickening where they come together, Mm -hmm. and you're going to cut just to the outside of that collar. Okay. On a dry day. And with sharp tools. No, no spray. No? (coughs) Excuse me, no. That spray should not even be for sale. It's okay. the black tar asphalt. It's, it doesn't help the trees at all. The trees are much happier healing themselves. They do not want – it's like you mm. putting a, you know, polysporin on nonstop on, a, on an open wound. It will never heal. Okay. Then. Right? So let it be. Let it dry up and let it heal. Very good. Okay. Very good. Thank Thanks, you. Barry. Thanks, Barry. Very welcome right. welcome anytime. Uh, calling in from Hamilton there. And now we're going to take a little run along the way uh, to Mississauga. You okay, Miss? Huh? Uh, yeah, I've yeah? just got a little okay. tickle. A little tickle in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, Eva, another first-time caller. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, I have a big question for you about roses. Okay. Uh, this year, I oh. uh, was uh, ice storm. All my uh, excuse me. roses died. Excuse me, Eva. Yes. Can, you, ju- can you just turn your radio down or off? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, we're getting an echo yeah. there. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a nice effect. M- most of my roses died, so I uh, bought uh, new roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the base is nice and full, and they start shooting very, very skinny stems uh, uh, too high. So what shall I do? Shall I cut these uh, uh, skinny stems to grow from the, bo- from <laughs> the base? <clears throat> Where did you buy the roses? Uh, from uh, uh, Home Depot. Okay. And you bought them early in the spring. <clears throat> they were in bags or were they in pots? Uh, in pots. In pots. Okay. Uh, all right. The, the one issue I have with buying roses from different suppliers is mm-hmm. that there are, there are many places where roses are grown all over the, the world, but the best roses that for us in Ontario are roses that are actually grown in Ontario right from the beginning. And I'm not sure whether Home Depot would have uh, purchased roses from a local grower or more likely purchased roses from a big international grower who might be growing millions of roses down in Texas or someplace like that, and then they ship them up here. So mm-hmm. did you notice when you bought the rose, did it say that whether it was grown in Canada or not? Uh, I really don't know, but they have uh, the tag on it. Mm-hmm. Let me see, check the tag because it's sitting in the garden. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because it will say on the tag. Uh, hold on. Okay, no problem. This is great. I love it. We're in the garden doing detective work. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yes, Eva's checking the tag on her roses to see where they were grown. Okay, you back? Oh, Wait, oh. Eva, can you hear me? Nope, oh, she put the phone down. All right, this is where you start. Oh, <laughs> Hello, there we are. Sorry, oh, yeah, there we are. Okay. Saying, uh, uh, 
Okay, they does say grown in Canada. That's good. All right, so you planted them in the spring, and you find they're shooting up all kinds of skinny branches. Now, these um, branches are coming from, well, I guess you can, can you tell, what? okay, what kind of roses are they for starters? Are they grafted roses? Uh, I have one pink and uh, one orange. Okay. Uh, all right. For now, what I would do is, of course, you're not fertilizing at all. No. Right, no fertilizer. You obviously don't need to water because we've been getting enough rain. I think in most places. So for now, I would do not. I wouldn't do any pruning or touching those roses at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're really skinny and and spindly, by November you can cut them down mm-hmm. to no shorter than the height of your knees. So just sort of come up with what, knee height, maybe mm-hmm. two feet tall. You can cut any of them down to knee height. In November. In November. In November. And at the same time in November, you're going to take some soil, preferably a a bag of fresh triple mix or something, and you're going to dump some soil uh, over top of the roses like a little hill just to help them get through the winter. Next, What about if I cover them with the big uh, plastic uh, bottle Mm. uh, of water? No. Do not want to do plastic over top of plants. Plants suffocate under plastic. No, but... My husband, he makes drills uh, oh, okay. on the, the bottom of the of the bottle. The big jug, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, six holes in the bottom, so when they could be able to breathe from these holes. Yeah, the thing is, is that we do typically put our roses in full sun because they want sunny locations to really thrive. Mm-hmm. And you put a, a plastic jug, even a clear plastic jug with lots of holes drilled in it, over top of a rose, you've created a mini greenhouse. And you're going to find you'll have all kinds of gr- fresh growth mm-hmm. underneath that, that bottle in December and January when the sun shines. Oh, I see. So that's the one issue. What you want to do is you want your roses to go dormant when it gets cold, and that's when you're going to cut them down. You're going to put some soil on top just to keep them asleep. You want them to have a nice little little rest right through till March. Yep. And so that's the challenge. You, you start putting something like a little mini greenhouse over top, and there's no sleeping going on. The, those roses are going to love the heat that's going to build up in there and just want to grow. Uh, so for the real best longevity of the rose, I would not use the, the that little mini greenhouse idea. Idea. So instead, I would just use a mound of soil, some pruning. Next spring, March or April, take away the soil and then really prune hard, right down to ground level, almost, about four, right down to your ankles. Oh, and I, uh, okay. then you'll fertilize and see what happens from that point. Yeah, okay. Dear. Okay. Thank you very much and have a good day. Thank and you. the same to you, Eva. The only, the best, and sometimes the unexpected AM740 Zoomer Radio. Nice. Yes, did indeed. you write that out or did you speak no, that No, actually, out? you know who wrote that? Oh. Moses Neimer. Oh, yep. excellent. It's good. Came up with that little phrase, and uh, it fits perfectly. And right? it's in your head. It's in, the, it's in my noggin. Noggin. Just pull heavens, that out when you need it. Heavens knows there's not much else there, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's oh, not no. true. Well, I'm giving myself a shot, you know. Yeah. Uh, Fran. Because I've been lax. Yeah, you've, yeah no, not... you've been giving me a couple of good jabs here this morning. Jeez. <laughs> Fran, you know. Oakville, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. How are you? Good, um, thanks. Morning. Morning. Uh, I'd like to know what I can do about slugs or snails in the garden and in the potted plants. Mm. Oh, really? Up in your pots as well? Yeah. Huh. That's well, strange. <laughs> that's not nice. So, tell me, are the potted plants, are these um, edibles? Are they flowers? Are they perennials? No flowers. 
And then you're seeing the little snails, or you're seeing slugs, or sl- yeah, you're slime trails. Yeah, you the silver trails and the, and the leaves and oh. uh, chewed up, you know. Yeah, you wow. know what? You know what I like doing with my potted plants is I like to lift the pots up off the ground, whether it's just up on a little uh, piece of wood or up onto little pot feet or whatever. But just by lifting the pot and you know half an inch up off the ground, mm-hmm. those slugs and snails can't get in because they they got in there by crawling up the outside of the pot or crawling up through the the hole in the bottom so uh it's for next year think about that raising your pots up just up off the ground you can avoid a lot of bugs in the pots by lifting okay Uh, in terms of slugs and snails in general in our gardens though certainly the moisture and the humidity and all the rain is really good for the slugs and snails the best product out there is actually made by Scott's, and it is called Slug Bait. Oh, slug, slug and bait. Snail yes. Bait. I've used that, yes. It works very, very well if you follow the directions. Remember, of course, after every rain event, you have to replace the little pellets outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they do work. It is a stomach poison. Uh, the little mollusks are very attracted to it, and they will eat it, and they don't die right away. So you don't have little dead carcasses all over the place. They eat it, and then they crawl away, and they die somewhere else so you never see all these like dead slugs and snails what they don't eat just goes into the soil and of course it is a nitrogen and iron based pellet so it actually feeds the plants it's quite Mm -hmm. toxic to the slugs and snails but not to anything else not to pets or plants or birds or anything okay all right so that's what i tried um i tried vinegar 10 10 uh one part vinegar to 10 parts parts water mm-hmm. and I didn't someone said it worked and I did it early in the spring and it um, it seemed to work but I guess well, you have to keep put it on after every rain well any vinegar based spray needs to contact the pest oh. so now I know some people like the idea of kind of um, spraying the soil early in the spring yeah, when nothing yeah. is growing yeah. and the idea is you kind of set up an environment that a mm-hmm. lot of bugs are going to avoid but no question after we've had the much, as much rain as, much we've, rain had, as we've had yeah. the vinegar is long gone neutralized yeah. into the yeah. soil um, it, yeah the, the pellets work really well or if you have a lot of pennies kicking around because mm-hmm. some of us do have some copper in our homes that we're not doing a lot with yeah. slugs and snails will not cross copper because oh. they they lay a liquid trail down that slime trail they get a little electric charge if they're mm-hmm. if they lay liquid on top of copper and they're not in touch with the ground yeah. so sometimes people will use pennies as a as a barrier uh, or that's, that's laid on top of the soil that's right or if so, you've got a perimeter on your garden like a, a wooden frame or something like that it can work yeah. as well Oh, you could use copper wire. Yep, or yep. Copper tubing. Copper, exactly. Lee yeah. Valley Tools has copper ribbon. It's really pretty. It's like a oh. um, almost Ornamental. decorative, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just lay that around your oh. plants, like Isn't your hostas. That? That's really cool. And it yeah. looks really, you know, coppery yeah. when you first put it out, and then of course yeah. it turn it oxidizes and turns green. So it's quite pretty, and it's a really cool way to uh, keep those slugs and snails on the other side. Oh, so it should really be on top of the the surface of the soil. Yes. So, like, if it gets covered with mulch, you got to lift it up? That's or? right. Yep, yep. Oh, it won't work okay. if it's under the soil because they'll just grow right over it. The oh, idea is that the, the slugs and snails will not be on copper where they're not in touch with ground oh, okay. without dying. Well, they yeah. get zapped, eh? Okay. <laughs> good. Thanks for that. Okay. Okay. Have a good weekend. Thank, Thank you, you, friend. You Thank too. You. Yeah.
it's uh, the long holiday weekend for heaven's sake. Yeah, so maybe we yeah. should get into that business. Have you got any uh, copper pennies kicking around? You don't know what to do. With? Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, you know, I know I got... we all have like boat anchors. Uh, you know, those <laughs> those tubs full of pennies at home that are just sitting there. Yeah, I have an old big old crock. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, fill that. I just throw my loose change into it. Yeah, and what's in there now? And pennies, that, right? Well, pennies, nickels, dimes, but a lot of oh. not so many pennies now because. Places are rounding up, you That's know, right. and they yeah. don't There's give nowhere you, to use. No, no well, unless you're going to carry out ten when you go, so you can <laughs> here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or five or twenty-five. Well, uh, we're going to have to just uh, have a deposit of uh, time here for a moment, and uh-huh. uh, come back and have a chat with another first-time caller on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Back in a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Oh, there they are, the yeah. chimes. That's for you, Joan, in North York. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Um, I've got a question. I love listening to your program. I'll, I don't miss it on Saturday. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't come across this. I think it's a pine tree I have. Um, it's one that we used to use for, like, Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was planted about, I guess it's about three feet from the wall of my house, and um, it's about, I don't know, getting to set between six and seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. My concern is it's going to, the roots are going to get, you know, into the, my, uh, uh, what do you call it, my basement, into mm-hmm. my, so I'm just wondering, when is a good time to move it? It's growing like crazy this year. Hmm. Okay, you know, so it, and it was planted, too bad it was planted so close to the house. It wasn't by any chance left in a pot, was it? It's No, it's it actually was planted. actually, um, my daughter and uh, it was from her wedding. It came, you know, all bagged in, uh, you know, the way they get the, the roots in a bag. Okay, so that was probably a spruce then, because yeah, that's okay. typically what those are, spruce. And, yeah, because it's got a lot of short needles, and I think they're, you know, if I remember at one time, if they're growing one across from the other type, they're one, yeah. if they're zigzag, they're another type. I don't remember any of that, but it's definitely not a blue spruce. So how big is your property? Because if, assuming that this is the kind of spruce I think it is, which Typically, those little baby, you know, seedling spruces that are given as gifts uh, or favors at weddings and and special events are Norway spruce. Now, if you were to look up and Google Norway spruce, you would find that they'll grow eventually. We're talking in 40 or 50 years. Mm -hmm. They'll be 40 or 50 feet tall and 20 or 30 feet across. So this is a very large plant. Probably time to move it. Yes, I would say sooner than later. But do you have room on on the property for such a large plant ultimately? Because this is, I actually live in a townhouse complex, um, so I have about 20 by 30, I guess it is, the property I have. I'm sure I could put down the the same property as like the common property. Yeah. Is, but, um, and you obviously are a bit attached to it because it has that, that connection with your daughter. Maybe would you consider when you do dig it up, putting it into a, a large container and oh, okay. treating it as a container plant year-round... And the advantage of that is it, it will be, it, by having its roots controlled within a, a large container, it will control the size above ground as well. Almost be like bonsaiing the plant. It won't truly be a bonsai, but the idea is that it'll just, it'll dwarf it a bit. It won't allow it to get 40 feet tall, 
it'll stay a little more in bounds. And that could be something you could move to the front as part of a Christmas display, put some lights on it at the front door, and then in the summer put it to the back with some, you know, flowers at the base, whatever, on a little wheelie dolly thing. Um, that could, could be something that could be... Um, what size container would you need? The bigger the better. Uh, at least half barrel sized. Half barrel, okay. Okay, so you know that kind of size or bigger, nothing smaller. And so, I'm just wondering, do I need an arborist? I don't never pronounce no, it. No. Arborist to do it or no. just have some... Strong men, strong men, um, and have a container obviously ready to go, a pot ready to go. Uh When they lift it, they want to lift a root ball that's as large as possible that will fit into the uh, chosen planter. And when you need to add some, of course, you want to keep the soil around the roots when you're lifting up in. And uh, if there's still space afterwards, which there always is, to pack a little more soil around the plant, use a good quality potting soil to mix in with that garden soil that you'll be lifting in with the plant. And that will help with some drainage. One last question. Um, Which is the best time of the year to do this? I would try and do that in in the month of August, this this month if you can. This month. Okay, well, that's really great to know. I really appreciate all this information. It'll Mm -hmm. make it so much easier than trying to find some place to plant it. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh, well, good luck with that. I think that's a great idea. Okay, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye for now. Nice to uh, have a lot of listeners from various areas calling in, eh? Yeah. Why? Well, who is our next? Well, now I'm from? just I'm just checking out uh, for Wilma, who's on the line, ready to join us here in moments. Um, Holstein, Ontario, uh, which is sounds uh, like farm country. To yes, me. it does. <laughs> it, apparently, it is in the township Southgate, uh-huh. part and parcel, I guess, of the same thing. Uh, in township Gray in County. Western Ontario, yep. Gray County. Yep. Right, yep. you are. Am I am I correct in that, uh, Wilma? You are. How you about are. that? You've done your geography very well. <laughs> well, isn't that nice? And, boy, you've got some really active things going on up there. You you have a drama club that does a lot of stuff in the, uh, huh. yes, through the community. Yes, coming up very in the next week or two uh, in Holstein, yes. Excellent. Well, there you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. What's your question for Charlie? Uh, I have a, almost a full bed of flocks. Mm-hmm. And this year, last year they were four plus feet tall. Now this hmm. year they are not growing near as tall, and I don't think I'm going to have any bloom on them whatsoever. They have all gone brown from the bottom. I know they are susceptible to mold, mold. but no, it's not mold. It's literally brown and dying. Right, where the they're leaves going, are... They're going crispy brown, crispy brown. The, the leaves. And how's the, how has the rain been in your area? Has oh, it been... Oh, very, yes. Lost. No, we have never used a hose all summer. Right. Because I, when I see flocks doing that brown, crispy thing, it usually starts in a dry soil, I find, and the leaves all go very limp, so they're kind of hanging there, and then they start to crisp from the bottom up. It is likely, though, to be a fungal disease. It, it may not look like a traditional powdery mildew or anything okay. like that, but it, uh, it is likely a, a fungal disease that has just annihilated so much of the foliage that now the plants are just basically going to go dormant way earlier than they would normally. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that they're, the, oh, they're going to die. They probably have very established roots down there. But if the above-ground growth is turned brown, there's no photosynthesis going on, and the whole plant just hunkers down. Unless we have a really prolonged fall and 
winter, you know, just doesn't come for months and months and months, you may see some new growth. What I'd be inclined to do is go in and cut them down, though. Thank you. Okay. I, I've been going to do that for two weeks. I've been trying to get you. <laughs> 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 and every week I threaten they're, they're coming out, coming out. <laughs> no, I've got to talk to Charlie first. <laughs> okay. Very good. Cut them down. And like I said, you may see some new growth just because it is only early August or they may, but don't fertilize or anything like that. Just no. cut, cut down and remove what you cut down uh, off the property if you can. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for your call, Wilma. Okay. Hey, thank Wilma. You very much. Thank you for calling. And maybe we'll get in touch and talk about the. Uh, Holstein's Maple Fest, which comes up in April. At, really? Yeah, at Love's Sugar Oh, Bush. I was going to say, yeah, the maple sugaring off. You betcha. Hey, yeah. we should, we should like, make a trip to Holstein. You hey, that'd be kind of fun. By the sounds of it. I like sure. the sounds of this place. Okay. And Wilma sounds very nice. It, it, indeed. As do all our callers. Really? Without it's, offending anybody. See, I'm trying to just... <laughs> You're getting you're getting into areas that you know. I gotta I worry about you from time to time. <laughs> okay, we gotta take a little oh, bit of. Oh, you really feel like you owe me one, don't you? Uh, but yes. You don't want to do have, anything too mean. You have zapped me, my friend. You're afraid that you'll get nasty email. You see, you're just trying to be That's gentle right. when you're slapping exactly, me around. Exactly, exactly. Okay, we have to take a bit of a break here, Charlie, and get, get back to our callers right after these words here at AM seven forty Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a good morning to everyone. Welcome along on this beautiful Saturday morning to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, who is seated right beside me here. It's it's pretty beautiful. It's a bit cloudy. Oh, yeah. You know, you're right. Uh, Although it's quite sunny. You know? True. It's probably just a haze up there. And the good thing is it's not raining. Exactly. <laughs> now, we had a call, and, and some, for some reason we lost a caller, uh, Gladys. She's out there in the ethers somewhere. In Thornhill. Uh, in Thornhill. Yeah. And she had a question about raccoons digging up her lawn. Right. And they're after grubs is what's happening. That's right. So right. this is Frank's chance to... to <laughs> it, so this is the only thing I know. I'll be Gladys, with the, okay? So okay. I, I want to know why raccoons are digging up my lawn. Well, first Frank. of all, Gladys, thank you for showing up. Up at the studio, I had no idea you could get all that way from Thornhill. Travel. But uh, what you do to control those grubs is to go to your local supplier of all things garden, you know, a good supplier, uh, and get yourself some nematodes. 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 Little minuscule little devils uh, who you spray them on the lawn, and, and they actually eat the grubs. They, they actually lay, yeah, they lay eggs, and the eggs that hatch eat the grubs. But bottom line, yes, you're right, they do. There you are. So nematodes, we buy them at our local garden center. We find them in the refrigerator. Okay, it's a little box in the refrigerator, Mm -hmm. but it's like a $40 little box. Follow the directions. No stopping at the pub on the way home because those little grubs will (laughs) die in in the hot car. (laughs) So they go straight home and go into the watering can or they go straight home into your refrigerator while you... Get your beer and do your stuff, and then you go and start. Because I'm just saying, you don't want those grubs to die. That's a live, live material. And you thank pay you. a lot of money for them. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for, as well, painting such a vivid picture of me <laughs> Not just crawling you. across the lawn. I find a lot of gardeners like to cut myself. To, no, a lot of gardeners get thirsty. They're out there, they're working hard, it's okay. hot weather. They need to always have some kind of. I mean, I have a backpack I wear oh, on my back full geez. of whatever. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, nematodes, that's the answer, Gladys. Alrighty. We've got to get to Ed. Poor Ed's been waiting on the line to talk about weeds. Mm. Uh, good morning. Morning, Ed. Welcome to the show. 
Hi. Morning. Thank you. Uh, I called a couple of weeks ago about weeds that I couldn't kill, and I uh, sent her the... Uh, uh, you sent me a photo. Yes, that's right. Okay. Were you able to uh, determine what that was? Was that a um, uh, was that a flower with a pink? Does it have a bit of a pink flower on it? Yes, uh, yeah, it's got a little pinkish and uh, flowers. Okay, and uh, they're they're um, they, they spread, like, you know. <laughs> they're they, they're in my tomato plants and oh. I'll open down the fence. And uh, if if you try and pull them up, what kind of weed do they? What kind of root do they have? Mm. Is it like a netty sort of a root, or is it more like uh, a yeah, taproot? Sure, I would think so. Yeah. Okay, because the the photo- next door neighbor, uh, someone told him they were a poisonous plant, and they use them in England to, to kill people. Though, <laughs> oh, he you know what it was. And, well, uh, the photo wasn't very clear. That's why I didn't respond right away. Is there any way you could send me another photo that's just a little clearer, or or pull one of the plants and lay it on a sheet of white paper and take a picture? Sure, I could do that. That'd be good. And yeah, if you don't mind resending that, because I did see it, but it was kind of blurry and. Maybe it was just my eyes, but it would seem kind of blurry, and uh, and I was a little hard to identify exactly what it was. Oh, and, okay, I'll do that again. Yeah, and you're right. If it's in amongst tomatoes, it's not so bad because we know that the tomatoes are going to go down with the frost, and that's something we can really do a number to remove weeds in the spring or later in the fall. It's when a weed like that gets in with our perennials that it's a really big problem because right. it's okay. so hard to separate. Thank you so much, and I'll I'll send it off again today. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ed. Uh, Our little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. Well, Joan... I know, we only have have a minute or two here. Real quick here, Joan is calling back for the second time. I'm back again. Yeah, hi. I just have um, my zucchini and cucumber. Um, All of a sudden, mostly the zucchini, there's there's a lot of white spots just starting on them, and then it seems to be spreading, and I notice some of them are turning yellow. (laughs) I didn't know... Like with all the rain, it didn't happen last year when it was so wet. But no, and is that um, the leaves turning yellow or the fruit? The actual leaves. Right. And the fruit seems to be growing. They're all clumped in together, but they, yeah. they're they growing. Yeah, you know what, it's, it's really, actually, you think of last year as being rainy. This year has been far rainier than last year, and our temperatures have been way lower this oh. year than last year. However, what happens with zucchini and cucumbers is that they get so dense with all that foliage and down typically low to the ground uh, that there's no air circulation. And as the air circulation is limited and the sun isn't really out to penetrate and dry the leaves, we do end up with some fungal diseases. It is fungus. I have tried to prop them up. Yeah. You can remove maybe a few. The leaves are mostly yellow. Go in there and and snip them out just to, to alleviate some of that dense foliage. That will help a little bit. You can also use something called garden sulfur to spray. Yeah, as per directions to uh, stop the spread of the of the fungal disease. Okay. okay. Will it get into the raspberries at all? They're all all got clumped in together. Yeah. They were spread well, apart, but now they've really grown everything. I know it's been that kind of a year. They it may though I, it's unlikely to be a really big problem, and you will want to do some trimming on your raspberries later this fall or early next spring, depending on what kind of raspberries I they are. I just bought them. Yes. Yeah, so oh, okay. Just new this year. Okay. Right. Well, okay, Joe. Joan, we have to kind of scoot along. Yeah. The well, show thank is. You for thanks for oh, okay. calling back. 
<laughs> Thank you, indeed. It's really hard, eh? When people, you know, they plant the little tomatoes in the spring, and, and the, the directions say plant three feet apart. People go, no way, I'm not doing that. Anyway, we, we end up banging it in all too yeah. close, and yep. things get ill. Here we go, here uh, we go. Yeah. And I've been slapped around this morning, so yeah. I'm going to stagger home. And oh, <laughs> sweetie, thank you. we got to get out of here. Got to go. Thanks, everybody. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.